Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. starting a brand new series called You Asked For It. You Asked For It. So if you've been around the last several months, we have had a questionnaire that went out and we just said, hey, what do you want us to answer? What are some questions that you have about the Word of God? What are some questions that you don't understand about Scripture that we could help you answer? And there were like 90-some questions that came in. We're going to cover three. You're welcome. Um, (laughs) So the really cool thing is a lot of them had a similar theme. So we're not discarding anything that's there. We are getting to all of them in one way or another. For instance, there were a lot of questions about discerning or hearing the voice of God. Well, we have a sermon series getting ready to come up on that, so we don't need to answer that in this one. And uh, things about the Holy Spirit. There have been things about worship and prayer. So if you're familiar with what's happening on Wednesday nights, we've been covering a lot of these topics in other places. So we are covering the three that stood together amongst others that we had no intentions of answering uh, without you asking for it. And so before we dive into that question, I just want to know if there's anybody in the room who loves cleaning up after children who have been in a playroom where you're like, I love this mess. I feel energized by organizing it. Anyone? Okay, good. Go, oh, wait, we've got one. I want to be like you when I grow up. Because um, for me, I'm not about that life. But what I know is that when my kids were little, they would go down. With, we had their toys in the basement. And they would go down into the basement. And it was like they felt like, you know what? Fun is going to be had. And I'm going to have the experience of my life if every single toy and every single piece from every box and game is on the floor. And then I'll be able to see, like, that's the one. That's the one I'm supposed to play with today. And I would go in because what would happen is I'd say, hey, clean up your toys. And they would be so overwhelmed that they would have no idea where to start. Anybody tracking with me? And so I'd go in as mom and I'd be like, hey, this is, put all your blocks in this bin. And so sometimes I'd help, but oftentimes I'd just be leading them. Like, put your blocks in this bin. Okay, all of the pieces to your puzzles, they're gonna go in this bin. Okay, all of the toys that light up, they go here, right? We, we do this. And it would be so great, and they would love it. They'd be like, wow, it looks so good. And they were so excited for how it looked. And maybe hours or the next day later, it looked like a level 10 hurricane had swept through. Anybody else? Like, I'm there picking up the pieces and asking them to do the same thing over and over again. And what happens with my kids in those moments is they would appreciate what was happening and they were thankful for what was happening. But when they got distracted with their toys, then they lost the zeal to keep it clean and to keep it organized, which leads into the first question. How do you keep your zeal? Because we all have things in our lives that we are passionate about, we're excited about. When it's coming together, this is a good thing. But how do you keep your zeal for the Lord? And so the definition of zeal is this. Great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or objective. And so we are going to dive into scripture starting in Galatians chapter 4, verse 18. And it says this. Paul is talking to the church. He says, it's fine to be zealous. 
Provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I am with you. And so I want to give you a little bit of a backstory because it's going to help us dive in and just kind of set the stage for what's happening at this time. So Paul is writing a letter because he's real concerned for the church. These are people who they experienced the freedom of Christ. They were all in. They knew like this is what freedom feels like and it's fantastic. But yet they were so used to being raised up and bound by the law. And they were surrounded by people who the law governed them. And if you've read scripture or you're any sort of a Bible scholar, you understand that that's like the whole Old Testament. So there seemed to be some weight to that. So even though they found freedom, even though they experienced what freedom felt like, even though they were thankful for the freedom, because they were surrounded by people who didn't get it, they were provoked and treated with such like, come do it this way, right? We've all, we've all been there. Even though we've been set free from some things, we've kind of find ourselves dancing our way back to how things were before. And so they believed that the way to experience the fullness of God was by honoring the law. But we know that when Jesus Christ came, he set them free from that. He fulfilled the law by his finished work on the cross. You guys tracking with me? So he addresses this with them. He says, you know what? You were super zealous about this and you got it when I was with you, when I was helping you, when I walked side by side with you. But now that I'm not there with you anymore, you seem to be forgetting what your zeal is supposed to be about. And he's saying it's okay to be zealous for things. It's okay to be zealous for other things but not more than we are zealous to the Lord. Not when it is contrary to what God has in store for you. He's saying, I can't be the one that's keeping you focused. You've got to put some work into this. And so just like I wanted my children to stay zealous about what made them feel good, to give them the freedom to see all of their toys, to be able to play without chaos around them. Paul was saying to the church, I want you to experience the freedom that you know how great it feels. You know what is on the other side of it, but you need to do it for yourself. And the really awesome thing about Paul is he doesn't just come in concerned and he doesn't just say, hey, you need to do this, but he actually gives us a way out. He gives us a way forward in how to do that. And so we are going to pick up and we're going to spend most of our time in Galatians chapter 5 because he goes on to say, and this is your first point in this, to stand firm. How do you keep your zeal? Stand firm. He's saying you can't earn your way into heaven. You can't get there by following the law. You can't get there by going back to what you used to do. You need to learn how to stand on who Jesus is. Is. And so Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Paul was saying following the rules won't help you keep your zeal, but following Christ will. Checking all the boxes ain't going to keep you excited and stirred up and passionate about what God has called you to and what he's freed you from, but following Christ will. And we can start by understanding that when we read the word, we read it to know God. We don't read it as a spiritual discipline. And hear me, I am all for disciplined living. I like having a schedule. I like knowing a plan. I like being able to look ahead and not have any surprises. Everybody who serves with me on our staff is like, she ain't lying. Like I am thinking about not just this thing, but how it impacts the next seven or eight things. It's the way that I'm wired. That is 
not what needs to happen right here. Right now in this moment, Angel needs to focus on Jesus. The way each and every one of you don't need to be looking ahead. You don't need to be planning your lives. The Lord is saying, focus on me. Stand on my promises. Stand on who I am. Because when it becomes a discipline, we miss the heart of the word. When it becomes something that we check off, we miss the heart of our Lord and Savior. Because he did not die for you to play church. He did not die for you to check all the boxes. He didn't die for you to show up on Sundays and Wednesdays. He didn't die so we can put $20 in the offering. But he died so that we could be set free. He died so that you could be his friend. He died so that you could know him. And when we know him, we know where to stand. We know how to stand. We know where to be planted. We're, not, we're no longer looking ahead at the next six things. We're looking and sitting and resting in who our Lord and Savior is. We begin to trust his nature, not our own. We begin to trust his heart. We begin to know his voice. And when we stand on who he is, when the world around us is shaken, it gives us the resolve. It's no longer about my kid feeling sorry in the moment because they're going to get in trouble. Like, let me, let me backstory this. We had, a, we had an opportunity recently to go to dinner, and one of my kids was super crabby. And not like any of your kids are never like this, I'm sure. But they were crabby and lashing out and being kind of snarky to the other people in our family. So we were sitting with somebody who I love and respect and care about very much. Um, and I had said something like, you need to say you're sorry. Or I, I just can't understand why they just won't say they're sorry. Because they just kind of like kept the festering going by that. And my daughter said, well, I don't want to say it until I feel it. Like I want to feel sorry. And in the flesh, that makes sense. But in the spiritual world, that doesn't make sense at all. Because what I know to be true is when God is moving in our life, when we are standing on who Christ is, I don't do things because I feel it. I do things because God's word commands it. I stand firm on his word, not because I feel it, but because God says to make things right, to make peace with one another. And what we tend to do is we struggle in knowing where to stand. We tend to struggle in following what we want out of things instead of going, this is what God says, and therefore I move. I stand on his word. I don't need to get it. I don't need to understand it, but it is his word alone because we follow his heart, not our own. We act and live in a way that honors Christ even when our feelings aren't there because we know him and we know what he is act asking of us, but that comes only with knowing his word. It comes only with spending time with him to know where we stand. And the second way to keep our zeal is to get rid of what enslaves you. Get rid of what enslaves you. Galatians chapter five, verses eight and nine. That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you which by the way, that's Jesus. That's who calls you. It says, a little yeast works through a whole batch of dough. Paul is saying, get rid of anything that holds you back. Anything, because even just the littlest bit of what you're hanging onto is enough to begin to penetrate aspects of your life and aspects of your heart that were never meant to take hold or take place in your life. They're the things that hold you back from experience the fullness of Christ. He is saying, if there is sin in your life, let it go. 
If there are people in your life that are holding you back from becoming all that Christ has called you to be, they've got to go. If there are negativity in your life that is keeping you from experiencing the promises of God, let it go. If there are addictions in your life that are holding you back and keeping you bound, let them go. He wants to bring you freedom. And not just the addictions that we can all agree on that are, that are sinful. I'm talking about all of the addictions. The ones that keep our mind, that keep our focus. The ones that maybe keep us scrolling for four and five hours a day on our phone, forgetting about the people that are in the same room that God has called us to love and care for. Anything that separates you from experience the fullness of God, let it go. Strip away anything that will enslave you. Harriet Tubman is known for saying, I freed a thousand slaves and I could have freed a thousand more if they only knew they were slaves. Oh, that God would open up our hearts and open up our minds to recognize that anything that separates us from him, anything that stands in the way of us experiencing his fullness, we need to let it go. Take those thoughts captive, put them in their proper place and move forward in what God has for us. So if you are like me in this room, you know that um, winter is terrible. All of you winter people, this is my moment. This is my mic, okay? I love the sunshine. I love summer. And I am tolerating winter because Jesus is good and I believe him. Um, And I'm sure there's greatness now. (laughs) But what I know when I get into a car in the winter is I cannot stand to have a coat on. To be buckled in with my coat to like be restricted and feel like I can't turn or I can't move. And so when I get into a vehicle in the wintertime, I take my coat off because it has me feeling trapped. It keeps me kind of enslaved to that uncomfortability. And then it's like 20 degrees outside and 73 degrees in your car and then you're sweating. Like nothing is working in that moment for me, at least. Maybe you love that. Okay, it doesn't work for me. So I take it off. Is the coat a bad thing? No. The coat is everything I need it to be when I'm outside. But it is not what I need in that moment. And we've got to begin to look at the things in our lives and recognize what their proper place is. How long they get to be with you. How long in this season you will stay and remain. Because if something seems like a benefit, but it actually becomes a burden, it's time to bounce. you got to let it go you got to take that thing off and move forward. You've got to be able to walk in the freedom that God has called you to because there are things and people that could be a good thing until they're not. If it is a distraction in your life, church, let it go. And the third thing Paul teaches us is to eagerly wait. To eagerly wait. Galatians 5.5 says, For through the Spirit we eagerly wait, not we wait, Now we're frustratingly waiting. Now we're impatiently waiting for God to do what he said he's going to do. But we eagerly wait by faith. Not in our own power because we don't have it. But we eagerly wait by faith. The righteousness for which we hope is our zeal focused on the wrong expectations. Because we wait for righteousness. We wait for God. What are you expecting Are you expecting God to move? When you came in today, were you expecting that Christ Jesus was going to meet you exactly where you are? Are you hopeful? How is your attitude? 
Are you expecting Jesus to meet you where you are? Because I would encourage you, check your attitude. Check that, check that eagerness. Check that passion. If it's missing, God, help me. Help me to stand on your word, even when you're silent. Because what I know is that God speaks to us in a loud, majestical voice, and he also speaks to us in the silent, in the quiet. We've all had those moments, or I hope we've all had those moments, and if you haven't yet, hang in there, because you will. You will. Those moments when you're reading the word, and the words just pop off the page, and your heart is thumping, and you're like, this is, this is for me. This is what I needed. This is, this is exactly what, what Christ needed to speak to me today. Or you've been in a worship service, and there's a lyric on the screen, and you're like, can't even think about anything else happening around you, because you're like, oh, I needed to hear that. Or the pastor's preaching a word, and they continue to talk, but you have just been processing, that, that was for me. That was for me. My husband does that to me all the time. I'm like, first of all, don't be telling my business in front of everybody. But in all reality, we have those moments. We have those moments where, where Christ is speaking and it's so great. But if you've spent any time as a believer, you also recognize that there are times when it's real quiet. When you're like, okay, where are you at? I'm waiting for a word. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that again. But he's so faithful we've probably all had somebody in our life who in a really dark time was there and didn't really need to say much. So in the last couple of years, I've experienced a lot of loss, a lot of death, a lot of grief. And, you know, you got to get back up and you got to go to work and you got to do the thing, right? And so I was sitting in my office and my husband just came in and this is not like his preferred method, but he just came in and he sat next to me. He didn't say anything. He just sat there. He had his computer on his lap and I had my computer on my lap. And his presence was enough because he knew my anxious heart needed his presence. And we have to remember that the Lord might not be audibly speaking in the moment, but to recognize his presence in our life. Recognize that he is with us, that he's not leaving, that he is there with us in our grief and in our suffering until we make it through on the other side. He is faithful and he is just and he is good to do that and to be there with you, but you have to listen while you wait because he is equally as powerful at the altar as he is in your house. He is equally as powerful in your prayer closet as he is in a worship service. He wants to meet you in those moments, but our attitude often dictates the outcome. Eagerly wait, right? We eagerly wait. Our attitude has a lot to do with it because miracles happen when both the Father in heaven and humanity are working together. Don't believe me, read the word of God. When Jesus was out performing miracles, you had people running to him and throwing themselves at his feet saying, God, I need a miracle. You had friends in the natural lowering their friends through the roof of a house expecting a miracle. You had people coming up to Jesus saying, my child is possessed, I need you to free him, expecting a miracle. It always took work on both sides. Humanity comes together with heaven. Mary had to be a willing participant. The angel spoke to Mary, and what did she respond with? It wasn't like, no, I ain't about that life, I'm somebody else. Mary was willing, and she was open to be used by God. And he wants to use us. He wants us to be ready for him, expecting him to move. But in order to do that, we have to stop approaching church 
God, our family, our jobs, and the world around us with an attitude of defeat. We've got to stop walking into a situation feeling defeated and like we've already lost the battle. Be a Tigger in the land of Eeyore's. You know what I'm talking about. Tigger comes into the room and he's his own hype man. Like he's got his own song. He walks in, he's like, the wonderful things about Tiggers. Tiggers He's just having his moments. And everybody loves Tigger because he's doing the thing, right? He's saying, hey, everybody, you watch the TV show and you're like, oh, okay, do you want to go eat with me, Tigger? Yes, Tiggers are the best at eating. You want to go for a walk with me? Yes, Tiggers are the best at going for walks. He just believes that he can do it. He's so confident. And then you got Eeyore, who you're watching the show. And so help me, if we don't start feeling anxious just by watching Eeyore feel sorry for himself. Like, why am I all of a sudden depressed watching this cartoon, right? But I wonder if we could take that attitude from heaven. Say, as a child of God, as a child of God, Angel is the best at loving Jesus. Am I? Probably not. Is Christ in me? Absolutely. Angel is the best at being angel. And she's not perfect, but man, she's got the power of heaven in her. The power of heaven becomes our hype. Not because of who we are, but because of the power of God in us. But expecting that, walking in that freedom, walking in that victory, instead of saying things like, Father, I'm so depressed, we say, Father, I stand on your word. And I will take every thought captive. God, I feel hopeless. My hope is in Christ and Christ alone. It's in a matter of how we approach him and we approach his goodness. Because we all know what it's like to be a kid on Christmas morning, don't we? I'm going to try and be vague. There's some children in the room, so track with me, okay? I did not do this in the first service and might have some parents mad at me. <clears throat> so, so kids on Christmas Eve are waiting in their bedrooms, and they're so excited to see Santa. And they're just like, what am I going to get in the morning? And they just can't wait for the gifts and the presents that they're about to get. And then they're like, what if I see him? What if I see him? I mean, we got whole songs about mommy kissing Santa Claus, you know what I'm saying? And then, and then they're like, are the cookies gone? <gasps> Did Santa drink the cookies? Or eat the cookies and drink the milk? I hope he didn't drink the cookies. I'm going to continue on track with me here, okay? We actually have a living God who wants us to eagerly expect him. More than the child on Christmas Eve. With hearts full of wonder, with great anticipation of what presents and gifts he's about to give his children, with what will happen when he walks into the room. Like, wow, we've got a God, but too often we come into his presence projecting the pain of this world instead of the promises of heaven. And he wants your heart and he wants that expectation and to eagerly wait. And the fourth thing is to serve one another. Galatians 5 verses 13 through 14 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, Serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself, saying serve one another humbly in love. 
Be careful when you walk into a room to not think of, what can I get out of this? This is for me. Instead, walk into a room and say, how can I give? How can I pour myself out? How can I bless the people who I'm about to meet? Because when we pour ourselves out, it leaves room for refreshing of something new. And so imagine this cup right here is us. And the, and the Father in heaven wants to fill us up. And so what he does is he pours his living water into us. And he fills us up. And we're in this world around us that's dry and empty and barren. We have our cup. It's sitting here. Feels really good right now. But how many of you know that this cup right here, if left with some water just sitting in it, is going to get stale? It's going to get stagnant? Nothing's flowing in or out of it. It's going to probably start collecting bacteria. It'll actually start evaporating and leaving what's good in there because it's not continuously being filled up. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to come into our life and begin to fill us, we get something new from the Lord. We're continuously being refreshed. And we're pouring out his goodness into the world around us as we serve them with love. The water keeps moving. The water keeps flowing. God is able to continue to give and we are able Able to continue to pour out. But when we hoard and hold on to what God has for us, we are missing opportunities to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Because the cup is not meant to keep everything that comes its way. It's meant to overflow. It's meant to overflow into the community that's around it. And because people matter, we have to keep moving. We have to keep pouring out, leaving room to be ref refilled. And it's why we partner with things like building a, a birthing center in Tanzania where we know that this month our, our giving's gonna be doubled. That's why we're like, we're gonna push this because we're gonna, we're gonna think outside of ourselves. It's why we give to spread the gobble and we provide turkey dinners for people who can't afford it. It's why we give a gift card to every teenager in the foster care system in our county because we don't want any child to miss out on the goodness of God. And because God has given to us, we're gonna pour out. It's the little things that we do that we have no idea the significance or the amount of impact that we're going to make. So a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of dropping off out of your generosity, by the way. This is what you did. I had the privilege of dropping off candy and some gift cards to Wadsworth City Schools. And so this particular program helps incentivize kids who are struggling kids who are not maybe real strong academically or who having some behavioral problems. And so there is, there is an incentive to do good. And so we also give to like feed them and give them snacks. But as that email came in as a parent, I was like, oh, Lance, like we should totally give to this because I think these are the kids that might be overlooked, right? They're the ones who are a little, they're a little tough. And many might be like, well, why are you incentivizing them? They're bad. Because those kids are probably like your Angel Perebskis who struggled all throughout school, who one day Jesus got a hold of her life and they become who God is creating them to be, who maybe in school struggled to turn in her assignments at the time, but who gets straight A's in her master's program. That's why. And that's not to brag on me, but that's why we give. It's because we see what God can do in the life. And when we drop that off, I don't even remember who it was. Somebody in the office comes like running out of the parking lot, meeting Lance and I outside. I'm like, where's this from? Where's this from? Guys, this is just a couple hundred dollars worth of things. Nothing. I was like, it's from Radiant Life Church. Okay, we just want to know to send a thank you. And I was like, please, no. Like, you got enough to do. You don't need to do that. This is what we're here for. But the joy in this woman's face over a couple hundred dollars a drop in the bucket for most of us 
It's why we give. It's why we invest in the kingdom of God, because we're giving those students a chance. And your generosity allows others to experience God's goodness. When we serve others and when we bless others, we do it with what God gave to us. And the last thing that Paul teaches us in chapter 5 is remember that it's not about you. In order to keep your zeal, remember it's not about you. Galatians 5, verses 16 and 17 says, So I walk, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Everybody in the room said, Amen. I've experienced that. He says what we already know. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. And I'm just going to talk to you just as, as a pastor, as somebody who spent a lot of time in the church. What breaks my heart, what makes me ache, is when I see God's children walk away from who he is because of misplaced focus. Whether they were focusing on their sin or they were focusing on the people that hurt them, let me tell you that was people who hurt you, not Jesus. Because they were focused on an answer to a prayer instead of focusing on the promise of heaven. And so we walk away because we don't get what we prayed for. Aren't we saying in those moments, my faith is about me. Aren't we saying, I do this to get what I want, to feel how I want, so that I feel blessed, so that I feel good about myself, because I want everything to be happy. But if we put ourselves at the center of our joy, we'll always be defeated. And it's why when we get stuck and like tricked into being in that place, we are miserable. It's because our focus is no longer on Jesus. When we depend on how we feel, it will never be enough because we will never be satisfied if we are focused on ourselves and what we can get because we will always want more. It's how we're bent. But friends, feelings do not equal faith. Our faith was never meant to rely on the feelings that we feel. So giving up when we don't feel it would require us to give up on every aspect of life. You would never stay married. God knows you'd leave your children because they don't get it right most of the time when they're little. I'm just teasing. I've got, I've got a couple in the room and they're pretty great. But if I gave up on them every time they didn't clean up after themselves, every time I walked in, not just as kids, but walked in and there's clothes all over the bedroom floor, Forget it, I don't want to be your mom. It's ridiculous, right? Oh, my husband made me mad. Forget it, I'm out. Oh, I'm working and my job is really miserable because my coworker got on my nerves. I quit. We would never do that. That sounds ridiculous to say out loud, but how easy it is for us when we are not rooted in the word of God to do that to our Lord and Savior. To walk out, I didn't get what I want. I'm out. You didn't answer my prayer. You know what? I've been praying about this, so clearly I can't trust you. If we walk away when it gets hard, we will never experience the fullness of what Christ has for us. Our zeal is not found in ourselves. The world wants more of the world, but heaven wants your trust. Heaven wants your trust. So when we come in on a Sunday morning, do we expect every Sunday morning to be like the engaged service last week? It's big and it's awesome and it's exciting. And let me tell you, it's my favorite day of the year. But these moments right now, they matter too. 
Pastor, Pastor Matt said before service, these moments are what are preparing for the engaged services, right? It's where we get, to, we get a hold of God's heart and that we prepare ourselves for it. Do we find ourselves getting bored with the creator? We find ourselves getting bored with TV shows and it's why they have a life expectancy because people get bored. It's how we're bent. We get bored with our hairstyles. We get bored with our clothes. We get bored with the colors that are painted on our walls. But friends, let me assure you, there is a newness and a fullness and a boldness from heaven when we set our focus there and remember that this world and this faith is not about you and me. It is about Jesus. And when you are connected to the vine, you produce what the vine has to offer. If you're hungry and desiring more of a zeal, be connected to the vine. Because the fruit doesn't tell the vine what to do. The vine tells the fruit what they're gonna produce. And if we approach God about me, I wanna get my way. I know you made me to be an apple, but I really want to be a pear today. I really need the benefits of the pear. And God is saying, I've called you to be an apple. Stay connected to me and you will see my fruitfulness in your life. But when we find ourselves getting our way, feeling dissatisfied, maybe not getting the outcome that we want, if you're stuck there, can I challenge you this morning? Ask yourself why. Be honest with yourself. Are you trying to be Lord? I know you wouldn't say that. None of us are going to say we're trying to be Lord. But if I want what I want more than I want what heaven has for me, who am I asking to surrender? Am I asking the Lord to surrender to my will? My will? I need you to do what I want. I want it in my timing. I want your blessing right now. Who needs to surrender? The Lord or you? The Lord or me? Who's the one that needs to move? Is it the Lord or is it you? Zeal like love is a choice. And zeal requires us to take ownership of what we know and hold on to it. If we're going to have that zeal and not lose that zeal, we've got to hang on to what we know. And that is the promises of God, the character of God, the nature of God, holding on to his voice holding on to what he has spoke to our hearts. Because what hurts our zeal is when we stay like little children who still need their mommy to hold their hand while they clean. But friends, we are called to stop drinking milk and to feast on every word of the Lord. And that means that there are gonna be some times where we're uncomfortable. There are going to be some times when we don't see what's ahead. There are going to be some times when we just are going to have to remember that God might, be not, bleh, might not be in the loud, booming voice. He might just be sitting right here on the couch next to you, reminding you, hey, I'm still in control. I still got you. I'm still with you. I might not be saying anything out loud right now, but I've already spoke. I told you what my promises were. I told you where to stand. Don't forget where to stand. Don't forget how to stand. Don't forget you're not alone because I'm right here. He's already given you every tool that you need 
to make it happen. He's given you everything that you need to keep your zeal. Where will your focus be? Bow your heads with me. I can't close today without giving you the opportunity to know my Jesus. So if you are here today and you would say, Angel, I want to know him. I want to follow him. I've been living for myself. Just want to invite you to slip your hand up in this room. I'm not going to call you out. Thank you. Anybody else? You want to know Jesus? Yeah, thank you. Anyone else? We're going to pray with you. We have some things to resource you with after this. But if you are here in this room today and you have lost your zeal, if you are here in this room today and you are struggling in these areas, would you just join me in prayer? Father in heaven, I thank you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are perfect. And I thank you that you are working, that you have not left us. You are moving on our behalf. Remind us that you are with us, God. I pray for my friends that they would remind it to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness and all these things will be added unto them. We thank you for being God. Give us the courage and the boldness. God, help us to eagerly await while you move. Help us to stand on your promises. Help us to strip off everything that would hinder us or get in the way, God, and let us keep our passion for serving you and remembering that this world is not about us. We thank you for your holiness, for your patience with us, and for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.